You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Time once again for the Bama Online Podcast. This one on a Tuesday, August the 9th. 2022, Travis Schreier, senior analyst for BOL, alongside senior team reporter Charlie Potter, and we're going to do another practice watch-along from Monday's highlight footage of the Crimson Tide's latest workout of 2022 fall camp, provided, of course, by the University of Alabama. So we'll get into some of that, but we're going to talk some hoops, Charlie. Other than that, how you doing on this Tuesday? Good. Uh, it's been good to, to cover football, even though we don't get to watch it. I guess that's that's the theme of, of this week. Uh, really, you've got you know practices going on, and we don't get to see it in person. There's basketball games going on in Europe. We don't get to see those in person. <laughs> but uh, there's a there's a lot to keep up with. It's a it's a busy time, but it's it's been fun to to hear from the coaches and the players from the football side of things. Um, you know, I think you know, guys like. Pete Golding, Will Anderson, they've been very candid, and uh, that's always enjoyable when you cover a program like Alabama who focuses so much on training its guys that to hear some some openness has been kind of refreshing. And some new fresh faces, I guess, in front of reporters, including Ja'Cory Brooks. So uh, we always kind of look at situations like that and go, well, are they putting him up here because he's making a push? Is he ready to sort of step into the spotlight? And Look, this is a guy who came up big at the end of last season, so it's not like he's exactly this thunderbolt out of the blue. No, you're right. Um, And I think, well, it's a little different this year. You know that the media day where um, Nick Saban and the coordinators come up, typically as soon as that last coordinator goes, you have to run downstairs, hop in the car, and and huff it over Mm -hmm. to Brian Denny Stadium for – they have players set up in the end zone, then they take the team photo, and then we usually get to watch an open practice. That last half really didn't happen this year. So they're they're really spreading the players out, and um, we're supposed to get Kool-Aid McKinstry today, too. He'll be another uh, newcomer to the room. So um, I think it's it's kind of making up for that a little bit, giving us some more players spread out throughout the preseason, which I appreciate. Um, but at the same time, I think with a guy like Ja'Cory, he is someone that I think is going to be a big part of this offense. I asked um, Bill O'Brien about uh, Jermaine Burton and Tyler Harrell, and he was quick to mention Ja'Cory Brooks. And uh, he was someone that, that um, O'Brien was high on last season as well. So I think the way that he closed out the year, the praise he got for not only um, his ability to step in for John Mechie and Jamison Williams, but his willingness to play special teams and, and – be or do the right things when maybe some of the other guys at that position weren't um, says a lot about what the coaches think of him and, and the opportunities he's going to get this fall came up big in some spots in the kicking game in 2021. So we'll get into more of football as we take you through another practice watch along again, practice footage provided by the university of Alabama and we'll uh, we'll get things going out. I need to maybe do a little better job of explaining the procedure here. What we do on the practice watch-alongs is that we crank up the practice footage that's made available to the media, and then we work through it, and we'll start, stop, keep it moving in some spots, but basically run through the footage and give you some thoughts and maybe some insight from just previous experience out at practice, give you a, a little bit of a look behind the curtain in terms of how things work, even from a logistical standpoint at Alabama football practice. But with that, Charlie, we're going to fire up the highlights. We're going to go ahead and post these two in the thread for the watch along podcast. So you have it right there at your disposal. But here we go in three, two, one. I am hitting play and Charlie. As is typically the case, there we have Nick Saban right from the outset of the practice footage. Nick coaching the hell out of it right out of the (laughs) gate. So nothing new there, Charlie, probably not happy about Alabama being the landslide pick is the number one team and the coaches preseason poll that was released on Monday. And if you think he sort of 
works into this lather that we're seeing here in the practice footage. Think again. As soon as he hits the green, Charlie, it seems like he's pretty much in go mode. Yeah, I mean, heck, before he gets out of the field, he's running through the halls to get to the practice field. Um, as soon as he closes that office door, I think he's in in go mode. And um, still weird to see him in sunglasses. We explained that one on the last podcast. But, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know if they even mentioned it at this point, the preseason ranking. He probably is it's probably an off-the-cuff kind of thing in a meeting. Um, you know, we're ranked number one. That doesn't mean anything to us. But the players, you know, coming up on, um, on yesterday, didn't even know. Granted, it was you know within the hour, but you know they're they're not really focused on that. Uh, I mean, heck, they they've been thinking long and hard about last season and how it ended with that participation trophy up in the cafeteria and things like that. But no, I mean, I don't think I've ever really seen uh, a passive Nick Saban in any of these practice footages or when we've been out there. He's always hands on usually screaming. Sometimes you'll hear an expletive here or there. So, uh, yeah, he's he's very animated on that practice field. He'll throttle it back some during flex, and we've seen some of that, some clips of that in the past. And you'll see him have some fun with the players during flex, but that's pretty much it. And in camp, here we see him once again in the go-to combo, Charlie, of the straw hat and the quarter-zip vest. Staples of his daily practice attire during fall camp, it kind of begs the question for me, is he just a creature of habit? Is maybe some of this related to superstition or is there, or is there a mix of both? Because I know you've done stories in the past on Nick Saban and he's admitted to superstition, right? Involving coinage, I think where pregame rituals are concerned. Yeah. Um, the lucky penny that he and his daughter, uh, Kristen share, she always, delivers a penny uh, to him before every game. Uh, she's been doing that for a long time now and, and doesn't miss one. And uh, he admitted he is a little superstitious. And that makes sense because we know he eats the same thing for breakfast and lunch every day. And he is like, you know, like you could be locked in that media room at the Mount Moore facility with the curtains closed, have no idea what the weather is. And when he comes in, you know what it is because he wears that or he has that, um, <laughs> that sweatshirt with the, the polo underneath when it's cold. Um, he's the he's water bottle. Yeah. The water bottle usually shows up too, right? Post-practice. Yeah. That's, that's every, every post practice Cedric will bring that in. But I, I would just like to see kind of his, his closet, his practice wardrobe. Cause he's not wearing this around the facility all day, but I imagine it's just the, the, the look that we have here. I imagine it's just like 15 of those hanging on hangers ready just to, to throw on every day at practice. I think it's probably a mix of both. You you outlined the, the superstition involved uh, and with the great story that you did uh, on, on Nick and his daughter and the lucky penny. But, you know, he's also organized, detailed. He loves regimen. Um, I don't envision him maybe as a don't step on a crack on the sidewalk. Right. <laughs> I, I don't I don't know if he goes to that extent. But again, he's he's on record with the superstition uh, with Charlie and some and some good stuff in, in previous years. Now, as for the football in the clip, we also catch a glimpse there in the background, DeMarco Helms and Jermaine Burton going against each other. Hey, take it a little easier, fellas, all right? I mean, this is sort of a workup to practice, and it gets a little awkward there with the jersey pull of Burton by Helms, who, by the way, in listening to the coordinators and listening to Nick Saban and kind of just taking away what you can from a, few minutes of practice footage pretty clear Jermaine Burton wide receiver one at this point yeah Nick Saban dating back to the spring has just mentioned him pretty quickly as being the most consistent player uh, at that position and we knew whenever he committed to Alabama that with Mechie and and Williams moving on heck even guys like Slade Bolden and some others um that Alabama needed an experienced receiver and whoever they got in the transfer portal was probably going to be a significant part of this offense. And none of that's changed throughout the course of the, the summer. Um, you know, he's been one of the first guys through drills that we've seen. Uh, again, he's someone that uh, Nick Saban mentions pretty quickly. Uh, both he and um, Bill O'Brien you know, spoke highly of, of Jermaine and what he brings to the offense. So yeah, I, I don't think it's really a, um, a question at this point of 
what his position on the depth chart will be. I think it's just who's going to be alongside him in that starting lineup. As is typically the case, as we rejoin the video about 30 seconds into the footage, we get the standard close-up of Bryce Young early on and some Ty Simpson in there too. And we'll talk more about the quarterbacks in a little bit. But next up, we see what looks like, anyway, looks like maybe a second team defense there working in some pursuit drills. You see Tim Keenan, you see Damon Payne, you see Justin Aboigby, Q Robinson, Ian Jackson, along with Deontay Lawson at inside linebacker, maybe a little bit of Eli Ricks there, Malachi Moore, Devontae Smith. And I wasn't quite sure as to the other corner, but thought maybe I saw Kool-Aid McKinstry with that group. Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting group because it's guys that we've seen with the ones it's guys we've seen with the threes and fours. So it, it's tough to tell the context of this because we don't see all the groups. And yep. you know, that's the benefit that UA has of putting this out is it's tougher just to decipher what's going on. But it's interesting to see some of these guys because um, when we talk about the inside linebacker position, Henry Towatoa, uh, Jalen Moody, Deontay Lawson, those are the guys that come up the most. But um, Pete Golding mentioned Ian Jackson, and he's someone that you don't really hear a lot about. Um, and I think that's reassuring for not only – just him as a player, but the depth of the position. Uh, Jahad Campbell is also someone that Golding mentioned when talking about that competition at inside linebacker. But you know, Ian Jackson's been in the program now for a little bit, and I think I, I don't know if he's going to make a move to where he's on the field as a first teamer. But just to hear his name mentioned when talking about the the competition and guys that are making a little bit of a push, um, I think it's not only good for him, but it's good for the the whole group to have that healthy competition there. So. Uh, yeah, it's it's tough to to kind of see or decipher what's going on here. We also know that with, with Kool-Aid, I think that's probably one of the things that people might raise their eyebrows uh, about the most. He was limited in the summer. So, you know, and it's a situation where they might be just working him back slowly. But also, in that same breath about the inside linebackers, there were five corners that Nick Saban and uh, Pete Golden mentioned competing for those two spots. We know kool-aid Kyrie jackson eli ricks but Taryn arnold and uh jacques robinson were mentioned as well so i think they, they're probably just moving guys around I, I wouldn't look too too much into it but this group and the one we'll see next are pretty interesting yeah i think you hit on it it's still early in camp we're not in the full pads yet uh but there is a scrimmage on the immediate horizon and we know there is healthy competition at both weak side linebacker and at the cornerback spots and so you know, the guy we had seen in the spring, at least on a day, was Kendrick Blackshire next to Deontay Lawson uh, with that next defense. But uh, still, a lot of guys with the potential to make moves there at both inside linebacker, corner, and really the depth of the defensive line, which is kind of on display here as we move through this section of clips within the first minute of the footage. Because next up, we see Mora Jaheim Otis. We see Monkel Goodwine, a young defensive lineman. We see some Demoy Kennedy, who, based on what we've seen of clips so far, he's a guy that's bounced from inside linebacker, running back, outside linebacker. It looks like Demoy right now, anyway, working on the edge. Yeah, and that's what you know, happened in the spring. And I think he's a versatile enough player that he can do both. He played running back last year, so he's he's athletic and brings a lot to the table, but. Man, I, I don't know if he's going to be a first-team contributor or not this fall, but everything that people have been saying about Jaheim Otis kind of seems like that's more and more of a, a possibility, um, whether it's uh, Pete Golding, uh, Will Anderson yesterday. Uh, we all know about the, the weight transformation for Jaheim Otis, but they've been talking about what he can do in one-on-one situations. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he's a mammoth human being. they got a lot of those guys on the defensive line, but – they need some interior pass rush, and if he can generate that consistently and maybe better than some of his older teammates, I, I wouldn't be shocked to see him get on the field a little bit this fall. Still early. You know, there's there's plenty of time for, for other guys to, to do some things, and I think they will. But, yeah, I mean, Jaheim Otis, he's been a, a popular topic in fall camp. So we roll the tape, and we get to or we're at about the 53-second mark so far into the footage. And we get a look at the running backs. And first up, Roydell Williams, of course, coming off the ACL injury. 
moving pretty well. I can say this. Roydell physically has always looked the part. I don't know if he's ever been more yoked up <laughs> than he is right now. I mean, this dude looks ripped up and, and ready to go from that perspective. He and Jace McClellan in the drills that we see moving pretty well, catching some passes in the flat. None of the backs really sticking a foot in the ground here. So really nothing to take away from that perspective, more stretch and stride type of work than anything else. And I guess what would be interesting to know more about with Williams and McClellan is how their recovery and response to the daily work has gone to this point, to this point early on in fall camp. And as we get deeper into camp as well. Yeah. I mean, just in this little clip alone, um, I thought Roydell was moving really well. Jace looked a little stiff. Again, it's Wincliffe. We You don't know the rest of practice. I will say all four of these bags have either a sleeve or a brace on their leg. Um, so, you know, I, I think they've dealt with, with some things at that position. I think they feel really good about this group, and they all look impressive and are guys that can catch the ball in the backfield. But, yeah, Roydell looked look smooth out there. It's good to see him back because – I think both of those backs were um, on their way to, to being big-time contributors last year before their injuries, and I think they can be that again this year. And I think this is a, a deep running back group, and you know Jameer Gibbs is going to get a lot of attention, I think deservedly so, but you don't sleep on the other three. Uh, I don't know if Alabama's going to use four running backs or anything like that, but they have a quite the stable, and that's not even getting to see the, the two freshmen who I think have done some good things as well. But um, it's good to see those guys back. I know I, I talked to, to Brad Lester, the former Auburn running back, earlier this summer. He was working with, with Jace, and he said that he made sure to check in with Alabama, and they said he was cleared to work out, fully cleared. So I think these guys, it, they're they're good to go from a health standpoint, but you're right. I think just seeing how they've responded to being back to maybe not 100% involved, but damn near close to it, how they've responded to that and how they're progressing is that's something that's you know worth that worth asking of the head coach jameer gibbs trey sanders as you said catching some passes out of the backfield here you had 56 receptions for alabama's primary running backs last season that was pretty much on track with the previous season when Najee harris led the way with 43 grabs now that was in 13 games instead of 15 and depending on how things shake out say even at wide receiver this season you could see a few more catches for Alabama running backs in 2022 and when you think about that you think automatically of Gibbs because he caught 36 balls in 12 games at Georgia Tech last season averages out to three a game over 15 contests that would put him in a similar kind of neighborhood to Najee Harris from a couple of years ago again who did it did it in 13 games instead of 15. Is that sort of an, a scenario that you can envision for Jameer Gibbs during the upcoming season, Charlie? Yeah, I think he's going to be a big part of this um, passing game. Um, his versatility uh, is is really special. You know, a lot of these linebackers that have come up so far in camp have been asked just about covering uh, him, and they've said that he's like a wide receiver out there. Uh, Henry Toa Toa, who's seen a lot of football going into his senior year, fourth year in the SEC said he hasn't covered a, a back like Jameer Gibbs. So I think, I don't think that's something that they're lacking in this group going into the season had Gibbs not jumped on board. I think Jace McClellan showed some really good things out of the backfield. I think Roy Dell can, can do that. Trey Sanders as well. But you know, Jameer Gibbs is someone you could have one of those returning guys in the backfield and, and heck split Jameer Gibbs out wide if you want to with some two, back looks and uh, I think he just gives you some some flexibility some options some versatility in that offense and whether it's you know catching the ball in the backfield you know downfield running it returning kickoffs he can do a lot of things and I think he's gonna gonna be a big part of that passing game we move along to 133 the one minute and 33 second mark of the video and bam we get some extensive tight end footage Charlie final no no camera too but they're are Elijah Brown, Miles Kitzelman, a couple of newcomers, although we saw Brown back in the spring and on a day. And we hear position coach Joe Cox teaching low to high. He's really wanting to emphasize hand placement in this blocking drill, maintaining leverage and exploding from the hips. Three freshmen, you see, Brown, 
Nye Black, Danny Lewis all have the physical attributes you want in today's tight ends. They have the growth potential, the athleticism. Question is, how quickly will they embrace the physical aspect from the blocking standpoint? And even if they do, can they be trusted to execute? That all kind of brings us back around to Robbie Oots, who, man, continues to look the part of, say, Barack Lesnar. Uh, you know, I mean, this dude is a, a unit, absolute unit at the position. And Bill O'Brien on Sunday seemed pretty happy with Oots' progress. Yeah, I mean, I think Robbie's a guy that has taken advantage of not only his opportunity right now with Cam out, but in the spring whenever you have Jaleel Billingsley and Major Tennyson and Caden Clark moving on. Um, you know, he was a guy that Nick Saban mentioned as one of the top uh, players that improved in the spring at any position. And so I think, you know, Robbie Utes is, say Cam is not able to go at the start of the season. He's certainly going to be the biggest beneficiary there. But I think these young guys are, are interesting. Um I think that, yeah, you're right. They all look the part physically, especially Amari Nyblack. You know, looking at the photo they have of him catching a pass in practice and then seeing him here, um, you can see why he was a freak at Alabama's camp uh, last summer and, you know, earned an offer from the staff. And I think Danny Lewis is a guy, you look at him from a physical standpoint, he certainly looks the part of a, a blocking tight end that can step in and help out if needed. Um, I think Nyblack certainly can, can do some things in the passing game. Uh, with his athleticism, it'll be interesting to see how he and, and guys like Elijah Brown and Miles Kisselman um, you know, progress as blockers, their willingness there. But it's an interesting group because, you know, just from here, you usually don't get to see a lot from the tight ends. But I think they all showed some punch. Um, and I, I think it'll be important for those guys to continue to develop. I think Miles Kisselman having some experience helps. But this is a prime opportunity for these guys to get a ton of reps, to work with the ones with Cam Latou sidelined by that minor knee injury. And, um, you know, we'll see if they take advantage of it. Yeah, the, I think the, the footage underscores the brightness of the future at the position. But with Latou out, there's opportunity right now. And, of course, there always looms the possibility of Kendall Randolph jumping right. back in yeah. there if needed. But, Sure, you would love to see one of these four newcomers, if not more, uh, take enough of a step forward to be able to to take on a role of at least situational value to the position. And so we move along to the two minute and 44 second mark of the footage wide receivers. Charlie, there's Tyu Jones Bell, who figures to be entering a crossroads season. If that hasn't already happened for him. There's been transfer portal additions. There's been large signing classes at his position the last few years. But this guy has also seen him come and go, Charlie. Ajay Hall, Javon Baker, you name it. He's withstood some of that attrition, and he's another veteran that you really pull for. But obviously, you wonder at this point what his opportunities will consist of in 2022. Yeah, when you look at the guys that are kind of lining up at those split end positions, um, it, it's it's tough for a guy like Thayu Jones, but at least to kind of rationalize him being a top three or four player because you brought in Jermaine Burton, you have Jacoria Brooks back, you have Treshawn Holden, who has a really strong rapport with Bryce Young, and then you factor in a guy like Tyler Harrell, who you know he hasn't been a hundred percent, Nick Saban said, but you bring him in for a reason to kind of be a downfield threat. And the opportunities are starting to, to dry up a little bit. Then you add in guys like Shaz Preston, some of these younger guys that have joined the program. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if he can hold some of these guys off. You're right. It is always um, a good thing to see a guy stick around to uh, buy into the program and to try to develop. And you always get, you know, you, you run your course, you graduate, then you, you know, if you don't have that opportunity to move on, that's, that's the way it used to be. And, and some guys are still doing that and we'll see what happens. Um, you know, heck we saw Xavier Williams in the transfer portal, you know, early, um, in, in camp last year. I don't, I don't foresee that necessarily being the situation here, but it's a different world we live in now. And, uh, you know, pulling for TJB, no doubt. But uh, that, that competition on the outside is interesting. And, you know, we'll see here in a little bit the, the guys that are working more in the slot. That's another one where a bunch of guys, a bunch of mouths defeat at one position. And we'll see how it plays out. 
Yeah, we also see Jermaine Burton here working a route that looks initially like a pivot before he breaks it inside. And, you know, when I look at Jermaine Burton, I ask myself, can he be a route technician along the lines of John Mechie? Because Mech was so good mm-hmm. at setting things up. And just look back at that game-winning catch and the fourth overtime of last year's Iron Bowl for more on that. Just an absolute undressing of Auburn cornerback Roger McCreary on that play. And McCreary's a hell of a DB and I think he's already making an impact with the Titans up in Nashville. So, you know, all that, and we don't even get to yet anyway, how Mechie was able to work with Bryce when plays were extended. And, you know, you got to take that into account as well. Yeah. I mean, Mechie, there's a reason that, he kind of saw a little bit of the field as a true freshman with all those first round picks on the roster. I mean, he's a, he's a talented player. He works hard, you know, and there's a reason why a guy like um, Bill O'Brien goes out of his way to, to mention him in his press conference, because I think he was really well liked in the, in the building and was a big part of the offense last year. You hate to see a guy like that go. And then to obviously be dealing with the leukemia battle he has in front of him. But, you know, I think when you look at the, transfer wide receivers you're not really making comparisons but it's kind of simple to to plug and play well Jermaine Burton replaces John Mechie Tyler Harrell replaces Jamison Williams I don't think that they'll necessarily duplicate their production from a year ago but stylistically it makes a lot of sense and you're right looking at that um that first route for Jermaine Burton it was smooth you know It's, it's not one that we typically see in footage like this and you don't really see it again but um, he executed it really well. Uh, you kind of see Tyler Jones Bell stumble a little bit. I don't think they're doing the same thing on the other side, but um, I think Jermaine Burton is a player that he's going to clearly up the ante from a production standpoint of what he's done the last two years at Georgia. He came to a place like Alabama to try to be to work himself into the first round as a wide receiver, and um, I think the need is there. I think that. He and Bryce Young have developed some good chemistry. And, um, yeah, I think Jermaine Burton, you know, he's going to be a big piece of this offense. Yeah, watching that clip, I thought he was going to give us the Mechie Iron Bowl route. You know, and then he keeps it inside. So he faked me out a little bit there on that route. We also see Ja'Cory Brooks uh, in the footage. And he's looking good. Looks mm-hmm. good to go out there. He's a bigger receiver, so maybe not as easy to get in and out of his breaks. But – He's showing some polish on this curl route that we see. And so if you think right now that perhaps it's Ja'Cory Brooks next up beyond Jermaine Burton in that rotation, you still need a speed guy on the outside, don't you? And Tyler Harrell, apparently limited in his availability in the early stages of camp, it makes you start thinking about some of those youngsters. Maybe it's an Isaiah Bond that gives you that dynamic speed on the outside to go along with Tyler Harrell. I wrote about it and what Saban said and what we think it means following Sunday's media availability. You know, it may take multiple sort of revenue streams to get you to the yardage totals that you got from just two guys a year ago at the position. I definitely think it'll be spread around a little bit more because these young guys are, they have a lot of promise, whether it's the the guys going into their second year guys like Brooks and Jojo Earl and Christian Leary or the freshmen, you know, guys like a Shaz Preston or Isaiah Bond, um, you know, all of these freshmen have that track background, that speed. And you know, Nick Saban has been very adamant about wanting to add that at, at this position. And so you look at the slide, it looks like guys like Earl and um, Leary, you know, Aaron Anderson is dealing with a little bit of injury, but he's in that mix there as well. And then, um, you know, Kobe Prentice, but then mm-hmm. you factor in guys like Kendrick Law and then Preston and Isaiah Bond. Um, it, there's there's plenty of options. I, I don't think it'll be just, you know, we'll see the same three or four receivers. I think they could mix it up a little bit, similar to the running back group. Um, you will have to wait and see if that happens. But I think there's plenty of potential. It's just we've talked about it ad nauseum now this offseason. It's just not a very experienced group, and they're going to have to continue to to make progress and develop that chemistry with Bryce Young. And so far, it sounds like they are. But um, you know, it's just it, it, these things take a little bit of time. The good thing is they have you know twenty plus practices to go before game week. 
Yeah, it feels right now anyway, understanding it's still very early in the preseason. It feels like a little bit of a reverse from a year ago when you knew you had a dependable guy in the slot in Slade Bolden. Well, I think you look at the slot options right now and you love the big play potential of Earl and Leary and a healthy Anderson and maybe even Kobe Prentice and these other young guys. Whereas on the outside, you're still waiting on that speed guy. We already were hearing, I guess, a lot of buzz and sensing a lot of buzz about Jamison Williams, even going into fall camp last year, let alone during the early stages of fall camp in terms of his ability to provide that. You mentioned some of those slot receivers at about the 307 mark of the video. Bryce with a pro. That's a professional outcut throw to JoJo Earl from the far hash. Rinse, wash, repeat when it comes to Christian Leary on Bryce's very next rep on that that throw that was required there. We see Jalen Milrow step in, delivers a nice ball to Kobe Prentice, which gives us a look at more of Milrow the passer and also gives us, as you outlined earlier, a little bit of a better idea where Kobe Prentice is getting his first work on the practice field. Yeah, I mean, it's almost tough to keep up with all these freshman receivers because there's so many, and you have a guy in Anderson that's um, you know dealing with an injury. But you know, Kobe Prentice is a guy we talked about Amari Nyblack earlier. Um, showed out at camp and got an offer, and those guys typically, um, you know, they they see the field eventually. You know, there's a reason that Alabama's like, okay, we have to offer this guy. And I'm not saying he's going to be a, a first-year contributor. It's, it's tough to kind of gauge that right now. We'll, we'll kind of garner more after these first couple scrimmages in the in the preseason. But I, I think a guy like Kobe Prentice makes things interesting because he is explosive. Uh, he has you know that speed that they're looking for, and it's going to be tough to to play over guys like JoJo Earl and Christian Leary, heck, even Aaron, Aaron Anderson in the slot. But the depth there is, is really good, uh, even after losing a guy like Slade Bolden, who'd been in the program for a long time. So, um, you know, I think Prentice would be interesting to see what he does Saturday and the guys ahead of him as well. And then Jalen Milrow guy hasn't missed a, a workout. He's uh, I think he's making good progress. You know, that was something we heard in spring and, you know, that's kind of continued into fall camp. Um, you know, Bill O'Brien said that he's um you know, learning more of the offense and knows more of the offense. And, and that's big for a player like him. That's, that's young. They came from a, uh, an offense where, you know, he's maybe probably not asked to do as much as he does here, anywhere near that really. But I think he's developing confidence. His, he's more knowledgeable and, um, you know, he's clearly, you know, he doesn't lack anything from a physicality standpoint. So I think the depth that at both of these positions, while it's inexperienced, they feel pretty good about the potential of those groups. Yeah, we're in an era of college football that's interesting with the quarterback position because there are a lot of places, well, really just a few places like Alabama, when you talk about the ability to pick and choose now across the board in large part because of the transfer portal and the transfer rules. So, you know, it used to be if a guy was – the true and clear number two going into a season in which the starter was anticipated to be moving on, whether due to eligibility being expired or uh, jumping to the NFL, you just thought, well, this is the next guy up. You, You don't really sense that as much these days. So it's an important stretch, not only for Jalen Milrow to establish himself as the backup, the clear backup to Bryce Young, but, the next guy up, right? When we think about even 2023 and beyond, because the dynamic has shifted greatly at every position because of access to the portal, both as a player, but also as a coaching staff. And um, so Milrow looks to be making some nice strides and that'll need to continue to be the case here over the next three or four months. So we get to the 334 mark of the footage, Charlie, and we see the offensive line and There are Tyler Booker at right guard, Damian George Mm -hmm. at right tackle, Booker working inside. We saw him at right tackle in the spring game. We saw George at guard on a day. We saw him a little bit, I think, at tackle in that scrimmage, too. 
But there he is back at right tackle after seeing extensive action at the position a season ago. And that, I guess, would likely be the second group because we see Emil Echior and J.C. Latham in the very next clip at those positions. Yeah, um, you know, Latham and, and Echior, that's not much of a surprise. I think that's what we expected to see, at least at the beginning of camp. And I wouldn't be surprised if that's the, the two on the right side that we see in, in game one. I think J.C. Latham is continuing to make strides. But it was interesting to see the pairing before them because if you asked me to guess, I would probably – flop them yep, in terms of too. what I thought was going to be what we would see because mm-hmm. I thought Tyler Booker did some solid things in the spring when he was working at tackle. Um, you know, all those tackles you know had their hands full of these edge rushers, especially since they didn't have to even tackle the quarterback. It was a uh, two hand touch there, but um, you know, Damian George got an opportunity at right tackle last year. It didn't necessarily work out for him or for Alabama. And uh, he, he seemed like a guy that was kind of, better suited to be a guard and um you know i know nick saban back in the spring committed him for the way he's kind of transformed his body in the off season and uh it sounds like a lot of players have done that but i i think with with george again it's it's early so they could just be trying some things out like they did in the spring but i i just i would have expected it to be the other way around where you see damon george at right guard and, and tyler booker at right tackle but I'm I'm not Eric Wolford. I'm not those guys that see them every day, and so uh, we'll see if that continues. Yeah, it almost feels like too they they would love to find a swing guy, right? Yeah, as a next guy in that. Hey, if we need someone to jump in there at guard, this guy can do that. And if we need a tackle that can jump in there, this guy can do that as well. And so, you know, it's there's value in getting Booker and George work at both those positions because regardless of how things work out at right and left tackle, you need a capable third tackle. And so whether that's Kendall Randolph, ultimately, whether that's Tyler Steen, whether it's one of the non-starters that you feel like you can plug right in there and go, uh, that's pretty important. And speaking of Tyler Steen, we see him in one of these clips, Charlie. He's working with a band around his waist that's anchored by Tommy Brockermeyer. And you know, fans are fans. We love them. But it's interesting that you get questions after day one, let alone day four or five. Why isn't Tyler Steen already working with the starters <laughs> at left tackle? And, you know, one of the things we forget about Tyler Steen, too, is he didn't have a spring practice. And I'm not talking about at Alabama. I'm talking about anywhere. And so even though he is a veteran player and he's made 30 plus starts uh, as an SEC offensive lineman, And I'm sure that Derek Mason and Clark Lee and those coaches at Vanderbilt run a hell of a ship and, you know, respectively, uh, you know, have a practice regimen that that is at least comparable to what Alabama puts out there with Nick Saban. It's still not Alabama either in terms of, you know, jumping into the mix with 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 the Crimson Tide in comparison to some other places. Yeah, I mean, I would just say give it time. Um, mm-hmm. you know, he's been working what looks like at, at left tackle. This is obviously a, a solo drill, even though he has Amari Kite back there pulling on him uh, with the, the band. But it, it is a situation where you're right. I mean, he is stepping into a completely new experience. He didn't um, you know, he's he didn't have the spring to, to benefit from. Now, in that same vein, we saw a guy like Landon Dickerson come in and, and quickly uh insert himself into a, a first team role uh this is only the, the fourth day of practice you know we'll see how it goes this weekend I, I still think you know you don't bring in a guy like tyler steen for no reason i think he's going to certainly compete sure. and push for that starting role um they're, they're giving kendall randolph it looks like every opportunity to to win it and um if that doesn't happen though you have a guy that has three years of starting experience in the sec that's still learning a new offense so um, I think left tackle is, is going to be fascinating to see how it plays out because you, know, you could you could still move some guys around. Heck, you could move J.C. Latham over there if you want to, even though I think he's starting to entrench himself at, at right tackle. But um, it's important for these guys to continue to, to make progress. And like you said, it's important for the young guys to do that as well because you never know what's going to happen. It could be a situation where – the offensive line you know, needs to make a change later in the season. So these these guys are all pushing, and I don't think 
you know, what we see from a newcomer that's um, only been on campus for a couple months, I don't think what's happening on the fourth day of camp in shells is, is necessarily an indication of what we're going to see in game one. Yeah, you're not just trying to identify your first five. You're trying to identify your first seven or eight. Yeah. Uh, based on scenarios that could happen. There's a lot of what if stuff that you're also trying to cover from the outset of fall camp, understanding that typically at Alabama, you're looking at a 15 game season. You're not just looking at 12. So uh, there are a lot of things to take into account. We also see some good old fashioned sled work in the video, Charlie, you see some Damian George working the sled, Seth McLaughlin, you know, we so often equate run blocking probably too often to just size, but balance, bend, twitch, technique, they're all very, very important. McLaughlin, not nearly as massive as George in this footage, but he seems to be moving the sled just as easily. And again, that goes back to technique, leverage, twitch, a lot of things that go into moving that thing. Yeah. And, and with a guy like McLaughlin, um, you know, I think he did a really solid job in the SEC championship game, and that's a luxury to have an experienced center um, with another experienced center coming back. Uh, I know a lot of people just kind of think Seth McLaughlin is going to continue to be the starter, but I think with a healthy Darian Dalcourt, he's the guy. Um, you know, We'll obviously see how that plays out, but as a luxury to have both of those guys, and I think you know his development in the program – um, has been one that's a little bit underappreciated because he is a guy that came in. I think he might have been a three-star recruit, if I remember correctly, and you know, not someone that you highlight in the signing class. And then when you have the injury to Darian Dalcourt last year, he steps in and, and plays admirably against the the best defensive front in the country in the SEC championship game. Um, so I, I think with him, um, it looks like he's continued to you know, build mass to build strength to, to work on his body. And, you know, he's certainly capable of being a starter in the SEC and a starter at Alabama. So um, just, you know, kudos to, to him for, for this. And that center competition, while it, I think that Darian Dalcourt has the edge, it, that's a that's a, a luxury for Eric Wolford and Alabama to have. No doubt about it. Another luxury, depth along the defensive front, and that's underscored at the 4 minute and 37 second mark of this practice footage is we see some of these young defensive linemen, Charlie, and again, only so many rotational spots to go around, but you know we see Freddie Roach coaching these guys up in this clip, and we're reminded that there are Jamarian Lathams, and there are Tim Keenan's, and there are Curtis Perry's as newcomers, and Quinn Barnes, and there's so much that goes into playing the correct technique. And it's not as much about see ball, get ball as we tend to think a lot of times. And so if you want to know why guys like Henry Toa Toa make 100 plus tackles, the inside linebackers pilot those tackles at the end of the season, you can go back to these kind of drills and, and watch this work that we see here. But again, as much as anything, it's just the depth that's on display here up front for the Alabama defensive line. Yeah, no doubt. Kudos to UA for showing the young guys, too. They could have just done Byron Young and, and DJ Dale and Justin Boyd being called it a day. We, we've seen plenty of those guys. Um, you know, them and those three and, and Tim Smith started multiple games last year. I think Alabama knows what they have in that quartet. But like you said, the rotation, how does that round out? You know, Jamil Burroughs is a guy that had a good spring. Um, Pete Golden mentioned him on Sunday as someone that can maybe produce some interior pass rush. He also mentioned a guy like Jamarian Latham. And you look at the clip of him there, it's a violent move. Um, I think he's someone that maybe doesn't get enough attention. That could be the six-man rotation of, of the three seniors, Tim Smith, Jamil Burroughs, and, and then Latham. But, you know, we don't see him necessarily here, but Jaheim Otis is another one that, that Pete Golden mentioned. And then you, you – take into account the the guys that are going into their second years in the program, the Keenans, the, the Paynes, the Barnes, the Perrys. Um, so yeah, you mentioned depth and, and that's what kind of jumps off the screen on the defensive line is they have a lot of, of talented depth that has some potential. A lot of it doesn't have that much experience, not quite to the extent of the wide receivers, but how this group kind of, 
develops and progresses over the preseason and then how much they're able to produce once the season starts, I think will go a long way in determining the success of this defense in 2022. So there you go. Another watch along from Alabama football camp. This one from Monday's practice footage provided by the University of Alabama. Really want to thank everyone out there. Big, big response to the first one of these uh, that we did at the end of last week. Uh, so appreciate you checking us out and joining along, going for the ride with us on the watch along. And uh, Charlie, I don't know if we'll make this a, a regular thing with every practice we have access to the footage from, but I can see it being a fairly common occurrence with the watch along. No, it's a lot of fun. Um, you know, I, I don't, I think we might have noted it last time, but we're not going to get photos and videos from every practice. Right. Uh, I think UA sent it out for, for eight or 10 in the preseason. I think there's two more coming this week. Uh, the, the bummer is, at least on the schedule, I'm going to ask, um, maybe they'll, they'll shift it around. We're not going to get anything from the scrimmages, and that kind of sucks uh, at the moment. I'll see if that can maybe uh, change. But, um, no, it, it's been fun because, I mean, we talk about it a lot. I know I give UA a lot of shit for – for that on here, but I, you and I enjoy going to practice and just yeah. seeing it. Uh, and so it, it, it sucks. We can't be out there, but this kind of you know, takes you back to the old days of being able to. So it's a lot of fun. Yeah. It's been pretty much a tradition at Bama online throughout the years. Uh, we like to think we've, we've upheld a pretty good standard where that is concerned. Charlie has obviously been central of that these last several years. And so uh, we like to try to give you something anyway. And that's what we're doing here with the watch alongs. Uh, we didn't have a watch along for Alabama hoops. I guess we could have based on a few clips, but you know, we'll stick with basically what we know from its opening matchup on its tour over in Europe, NATO's and his team. You kind of expect, you know, for the most part, these games to go Alabama's way. And that was the case on Monday as the Crimson Tide hangs 100-plus on Spain Select. Sounds like a nice import beer, Spain Select, you know? <laughs> Maybe a, you know, a high-end import. But Crimson Tide with some new faces, man, not only in the starting lineup, but really throughout the box score and, and hanging a 44-point win on the, uh, the host from Spain. Yeah, I mean, you know, Brandon Miller continues to look like the real deal. He scored a game high 17 points. He was really impressive in that open practice, the the scrimmage they had before you know, leaving for um, for Spain. And you know, he was joined in the starting lineup by um, Rylan Griffin and, and Noah Clowney. So that's three freshmen um, in the starting lineup. And you look, they combined for what 43 points all three of those and then if you add mark sears another newcomer who was the starter at the point guard position he scored 11 so you're getting 50 plus points from four newcomers in the starting lineup and that's before you take into account guys like Jaden bradley and dom welch uh nick pringle namari burnett can almost technically be considered a newcomer since he didn't play at all last year so um yeah it's it's going to be a different basketball team um i think that one, you know, Nick, um, Nate Oates talked a lot about the chemistry and how it's a lot better among the players. This foreign tour is probably only going to enhance that. But then you're just going to have a bunch of new guys because of how the roster has turned over. And it sounds like a lot of those new players have come in and, and um, you know, look good early. You know, you'll obviously see how that uh, translates to the regular season. But uh, even though we weren't able to watch it, it, it sounds like it was a productive first game for Alabama. And, um, you know, they're going to have another game Thursday, a couple games Thursday and Friday before heading home. And um, you'll see how it goes. I, I don't think the the end goal is to win all three. Of course, you want to go three and oh, you just want to see these guys continue to mesh and to, to make progress. And I think they were off to a good start. You know, I'm not big on sort of the axes and the, uh, the chains and the championship belts, the big play belts and, and all those things we see in college football and college basketball these days. But I will say Rylan Griffin, in addition to his tangible, at least box score noted production, I thought the hard hat award going to him in his first game of any kind as a member of the Crimson Tide spoke pretty loudly because when it comes to hard hat type points, we know that's a very real thing with NATO's and 
you, know, you can score 13, 15, 18, pull down six, seven, eight rebounds. That's great. Uh, and typically, if you do those things, it's going to translate in the area of hard hat points. But in some instances, especially as a newcomer, you can go for three points and three rebounds. But if your hard hat points are where they need to be, that's a good indicator of where you might be headed in terms of minute potential in your first year in the program. And look, Griffin's a skilled dude. We already knew that coming in. He was a mm-hmm. four-star coming out of high school that you heard plenty of people talk about. This is a five-star, essentially, in Ryland Griffin. But to see him in those areas of hard hat points, whether you're talking 50-50 balls, charge takes, those type of things, his presence there from the outset of this tour, that was as impressive and potentially as important as anything else I saw from him or at least heard about him (laughs) in that game on Monday, Charlie. Yeah, see it on the box score, not on the screen. <laughs> um, yeah, and it's, it's nice that Alabama, uh, they sent out a corrected um, box score, and they have the, the blue-collar stats included. And he had, of course, a team high with 15.5, and, and that includes things like three deflections, three steals or loose balls. He had six rebounds. So active and involved and productive. And mm-hmm. uh, it, it's really good, though, because um, you, know, you, you always want to see the young guys do that, but his parents were there. And to, to play like That's that, cool. to help your team to win and to get the hard hat when your parents making the trip to um, Barcelona, that that's that's pretty cool. And uh, but I, I do think, you know, looking at these new guys, it's it's very obvious that Miller and Griffin and even Noah Gurley are going to make a big time contribution. Um, you know, I think Jaden Bradley, when he's healthy, is going to be a big part of this uh, this team as well. So those freshmen uh, that they added this year. Um, I, I don't think they're going to need training wheels for very long. No, Miller's a pro. Yeah. And again, that's one of the things you knew coming in. Noah Clowney, that was a bit of a surprise, if we're yeah. being honest, based on expectations, recruiting rankings, things like that. Good to see Dom Welch, too. Late addition from the transfer portal. Uh, viable presence, it looks like, from the three-point line. We know how important that is with the way Alabama likes to play on the offensive end. So there you go. We got the Monday practice watch along. We got some basketball talk for you. Nate Oates and his crew headed to Paris next. So we'll have coverage of that as best we can provide for you in the coming days as well. Hey, Charlie, man, appreciate you taking the time as always. Yeah, no problem, man. You know, it's always good to catch up. Absolutely. And we certainly appreciate you joining us right here on the Bama Online Podcast. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast, How about doing it right now? And if you would leave us a rating and a review, we would greatly appreciate that as well. And, of course, you always want to be with us right there at BamaOnline.com, the roundtable, the premium message board of choice for Alabama fans around the globe. For Charlie Potter, Travis Dreyer, thanking you once again. And until next time, so long, everybody. CBS Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. I'm a citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game for speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new Survivor Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. 